Welcome to the latest edition of the Loftus Party Podcast. That was a lot of plosives. That was a party for the podcast. You guys are awesome. Here's what I thought we would do this week. Uh, big holiday weekend. Lots going on. I was on the uh, Tucker Carlson show. That was kind of cool. They had Brian Kilmeade. On, uh, he was the host. It was great. Uh, he was the guest last week on this wonderful show. But you know that because you've been listening. Now, if you're new and, and you haven't been listening, welcome aboard. I'll tell you guys right now, it's a giant experiment. There's uh, politics. There's pop culture. There's fun. It is a, a warm, loving embrace of a podcast. <laughs> So here's what we're doing this week. Everybody loves a clip show. I'm not going to lie to you. I love a clip show. These are clips from the television show, and these are clips from my one-hour stand-up special on Comedy Central. So you're going to get a treat. Uh, we've got uh, a little bit of me and Tucker Carlson, myself and Cheryl Atkinson, and Coulter makes an appearance. I'm telling stories uh, about going to Jamaica uh, and being on a nude beach, what? It's all fun. We've got Second Amendment stuff. We're all over the board. So it is kind of a uh, a cornucopia, if you will. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we love it when you share. Uh, the clips on YouTube, you gotta, you gotta subscribe to the YouTube channel. Share those clips. Share the stuff on Facebook. Tell your friends. Uh, this little thing is growing at a wonderful pace. I'm delighted, delighted. So I want to say hi to all the new people. Thank you so much. We're figuring this out as we go along. I'm literally just a goofball comedian uh, who wants to be funny first and political second. Sometimes I get confused, and you guys will straighten me away. Straighten me away, you'll straighten me out. Sometimes I misspeak. <laughs> all right, ooh, I just saw Thor. We'll talk about that next week, so you have something to look forward to. And, of course, I'm sure uh, the world will have ended because of something the president did. That's how it's always portrayed, and uh, it's ridiculous. So let's make fun of that. Okay, without further ado, here it is, our Thanksgiving buffet clip show extravaganza kitchen sink. What the what? Roll that beautiful audio clip. commencement's become just another political venue. Is any part of American life not a political venue these days? Michael Loftus is a comedian, and he joins us tonight with his insights. Michael, thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm here in the, uh, the Los Angeles Republican satellite bunker. It's weird. <laughs> I bet it is weird. You've got to answer a series of questions about Ronald Reagan before you get in. <laughs> so, so how would you feel if you were graduating from college and some creepy, mediocre politician shows up and starts giving a floor speech. I, I tell you, I think we should get away, just disregard commencement speeches altogether. All it has become a joke. It's all political this, but a commencement speech, uh, the person gets up there and they give you, here's some uh, advice on how to carry on with the rest of your life. Right. Isn't that what you were supposed to be learning the last four years? Isn't that what you paid all that money for? Well, that's a good point. If you haven't figured it out by that point, maybe it's a little late. It is. It is. And and I tell you, just just the reaction. I love that those kids uh, walked out of Mike Pence's. That's great. 
Those are more kids that won't be com uh, competing with my kids for jobs. Like, walk directly out. You're unprepared for reality. Go directly across the street to your new job where you can be proud. I walked out of Mike Pence. Oh, that's great. That's very brave. Now, when the burger comes out of here, you're going to put some cheese on it and then just put it right there on the bun. You're good to go. It does ease the pressure on the job market at the higher end. That's uh, that's for certain. Why? But I mean, it does kind of raise a question: Like, is there any place you can go in America where you're not bombarded by somebody else's politics? You can't flip on ESPN to watch a game without getting a lecture about something, and you can't go to a you commencement can't. address. No, I, I think you just have to you just have to carry on. And and I'm I do I have two kids, and I'm just going to keep them out of college. Uh, because it's obviously not preparing anyone for the future. The one thing it's supposed to do, the whole thing's like this big, beautiful, uh, almost like a government-run mafia scam. They're like, hey, you need college, kid. You need college. Here's a, I'm going to give you a loan. You can go to college. And then they come out of this, like, giant four-year summer camp where they're totally mentally reprogrammed, not prepared for the future, and they're in a mountain of debt. It's like a reverse game show. Hey, Johnny, show him what he owes. <laughs> That is actually such a good point. Then why, I mean, what's, what is the point? And, and why perpetuate what is so obviously a scam? I, it'll, it'll go away. That's the great thing about capitalism. I tell you what, I'm trying to talk my, bo both of my kids into being welders. That's like yeah. <laughs> something they, they can learn with. But like, why would you in incur this giant mountain of debt to like, oh, I, I've got, uh, you know, my degree in, uh, uh, gender fluid squirrel poetry. Uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to rule the world with that? And they don't want to hear from reality. So I no. just think, like, we just have to kind of circle our wagons and ride out this madness. Because obviously, uh, facts don't matter. The truth doesn't matter. And, and if anything, I would tell these kids before going to college, why don't you go on a road trip? Go spend a year in Venezuela. Go spend right. a year in Venezuela where uh, you can find a safe space while you're trying to, you know, dig a banana peel out of the garbage so you can eat. Sounds great. And better then come than, back and we'll talk about safe spaces. So what did you make of Betsy DeVos getting booed, the education secretary? I tell you what, why she took that gig, I don't know. I Betsy needs a new agent. Here's, here's where you succeed. Like, like Will Ferrell sings. Uh, you, you know, Hillary Clinton recently just told people what they want to hear. That's all you can do. Betsy DeVos, she just held up a giant check to show how much money she made, popped some champagne and walked, it, walked out, and they just let some Jay-Z music play. She just mic drops. She just walks out like a boss. <laughs> I love the Hillary Clinton one. That was great the other day. I don't know if you saw that. No, I missed She's like, I've been Wellesley. drinking Chardonnay and reorganizing my closets. I bet she was reorganizing her closet. This skeleton goes here, that one goes there. Hey, Bill, remember my plan for socialized medicine? It's in this box. I'd like to picture that happening in the post-presidential bedroom in Chappaqua. <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. Did you go to college? I did. I went to the, the Ohio State University. Did it improve I paid you? for it. Uh, no, I found it to be a giant waste. Uh, I, it, nothing happened fast enough. I left. I left after two years. I was paying the bills, and, and I'm like, you know what? I, I gotta go. So I just handed a guy uh, ten thousand bucks. He gave me a commencement speech, and I was on my way. <laughs> you're, you're a smart man, Michael Loftus. Thanks for joining us. Today. There you go. I graduated myself. <laughs> Good for you. I did the same. We'll be right back. A lot of badasses.
the Wright brothers. They invented powered flight in their spare time. Yeah, I don't do in my spare time. You know what I do? I watch porn. So, the Wright brothers did it. They invented the airplane. They did okay. Stayed in Ohio, God love them. And they must have freaked out. They must have freaked out, right? Uh, because then the planes just went crazy. It was almost like, you know, in a blink of an eye, like, a, like 60 years later, all of a sudden we were going to the moon. That's nuts, right? Thousands of years, people try to fly, and then all of a sudden, boop, we're going into outer space. And the reason we went to outer space is because the Russians started a space race, right? And, that, and they didn't even announce. They just started racing. That's bullshit. That's cheating where I come from. You're like, Pew, we're racing. Yeah, the Russians started the space race by, uh, they fired up Sputnik, right? It was this creepy looking metal, yeah, like a spider satellite. And they're just like, if you look in sky above you, you will see metal spider watches your every move. Sleep easy, sleep easy. And holy sh what do we do? Launch, whatever we got, launch! That's what we did. We launched a satellite to counter theirs, like a like a, a Cold War chess match. The Russians are like, we launched satellite. We're like, all right, we'll launch satellite. Boom, checkmate, bitch. Uh, and then the Russians uh, launched a dog into outer space, right? Which is kind of a dick maneuver, if you ask me, because dogs love car rides. And can you imagine how bummed out that dog was when he's going so fast that he can't get his head out the window? So we countered their dog launch. We launched a monkey. And that's the way to go. Monkey has thumbs. He can pull and punch buttons and go, oh my God, when he's freaking out. The Russians, they, their dog died. Uh, he didn't make it. Yeah, I know. He probably died of disappointment, if you ask me. Uh, our monkey lived. The monkey lived, yeah. And then they, they picked him up in like a, like a, had like a hero's welcome. They picked him up on an aircraft carrier. Send the aircraft carrier to collect the space monkey. And yeah, and they, they got the monkey out and the monkey was like, holy sh don't ever do that again. <laughs> My favorite thing about it, about the whole space race and all this, the Apollo 11 mission, when we did land a man on the moon, that was spectacular. That's super bravery. You got, you got Neil Armstrong and uh, Buzz Lightyear. And uh, yeah, I didn't even know. And uh, no, Buzz Aldrin. You got to give it up for that, dude. Uh, Buzz Aldrin was there. And then uh, Michael Collins. That's the third guy everybody forgets. Michael Collins, because he didn't get to go to the moon. He had to stay in the capsule and circle the moon, right? That sucks. You go all that way and then find out you're the designated driver, you know? <laughs> I'm not even gonna go, I'm just gonna circle. I'm just gonna circle and then, okay, perfect, perfect. All right. And Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, they didn't know who the first man on the moon was gonna be. NASA didn't announce it. They, 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 they waited to the last second. And they're in the capsule just like, oh man, this is crazy. And Buzz Aldrin's like, yo, Neil, what if it's you? What are you gonna do? Have you got like something you wanna say? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about it because this is big man. This is bigger than like, you know nations or one people This is about humanity. We're on another planet If it's me, I'm just gonna like hop out boom boom try not to trip, right? That's important And then I'm just gonna be like that's one small step for man one giant leap for mankind mm. Right, right 
What, what, what do you got? Uh, <laughs> I was going to be like, suck it, Russia. <laughs> Today, I thought we would open the show with a fun-filled talk about gun control. Because nothing says hilarious late-night comedy like gun control. Am I right? Somebody wake up, Nana. All right. (laughs) Normally, uh, this is the part of the show where I enlighten you and I'm like, hey, I've got the answer. I've got the solution. I figured out gun control. But tonight is extra special because guess what? I don't know. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Do Americans have the right to bear arms? Yes. Yes, they do. Do I want my neighbor taking out helicopters with a rocket launcher? No. No, I don't. And what's the solution to our little gun control problem? I don't know. All I know is this. I get a gun. Yeah. All I'm hearing now, all I'm hearing now is people saying, we need tougher background checks, Mike. We need tougher background checks. Yeah, because criminals, they regularly submit to background checks. Here's something you'll never hear. Hey, Bob, we're going to rob that bank today or what? Uh, Heck yeah, Jimmy. Did you pass the background check? (laughs) Dang it all to heck. All right, I guess we'll go get real jobs. Dang gun control background checks. Messing with my lifestyle again. (laughs) I snorted. Now, have you, the, here's the other new one they're, t- they're talking about. They're talking about having like little thumbprint scanners and GPS tracking and, and high-tech locks and passcodes on your gun like you'd have on your laptop or your cell phone. Uh, I, don't, I don't want that in my life. That's too much pressure. It's the middle of the night. It's all dark and you hear something. You're like, honey, I think somebody's trying to break into the house. Go hide with the kids. Call 911. I'm going to re-enter the car. Co- Did you plug in the gun? (laughs) He's in the house, honey. Hold on. I got a gun, and I just got to figure out the passcode. She wrote it down in just one second. Ow, ow. He's stabbing me now. Okay. I'm going to... That was a a kidney. That was a good shot. I'm 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 just going to hold Control-Alt-Delete. And, uh... Could you hurry, honey? There's a lot of blood. I'm losing a lot of blood. No, take the jewelry. The good stuff's in the small drawer. Uh, No, I'm at something here called Task Manager. Can you figure that out? (laughs) All I know is this. I know this. When you need a gun, you want a gun right then and right now, okay? Here's a pesky fact. Gun deaths are at a 20-year low. Gun ownership is at an all-time high, and the areas with the most gun violence have the strictest gun control laws. Hmm. I think one could surmise that the only way to make things more safe is to have more guns. (laughs) Right? The people who founded this country thought it was important for us to be armed Right. They thought it was so important. They made it the second thing they wrote down on that big old list of rights. 
right? Number one, freedom of speech. You can criticize the government. And freedom of the press, you can criticize the government. And if the government gets mad, well, too bad. Everybody's got guns, okay? It's the ultimate safety net and that great big balance of power. The founding fathers were genius. If Congress goes crazy, the president can stop them. If the president goes crazy, the courts can stop them. There's three equal separate branches of government. And if they all three go crazy, we can stop them because we've all got guns. Think about it. Having the right to own a gun actually protects the rest of your rights from being taken away. If they take away your second amendment, there's not a heck of a lot you can do about all the other amendments, is there? You're just going to sit there all frowny face with no more rights being like, dang, I should have stopped him with my gun when I had a gun. In fact, I think the government should actually pay for my gun. Seriously, why not? Yeah. Seriously, they're giving away like, like health care and free cell phones. Where in the Constitution does it say you get health care and a free cell phone? Nowhere. I read it. It's not there. I do remember seeing the second thing they wrote down is that everybody has the right to bear arms. Therefore, I must ask, where is my free government gun? Do I call the Obamacare hotline? Did they fix that yet? And last but not least, this is, I'm really, I'm ranting now. Can we please stop with the gun-free zones, okay? A gun-free zone is just a sign. It's metal with some paints on it. It's not a magic force field that's going to dissolve a gun like on Star Trek. However, speaking of Star Trek, I will give up my gun when they invent the Star Trek phaser, right? When everybody has a Star Trek phaser and they're all set to stun, that's going to be great. You don't have to shoot people anymore. You can just stun them. And then you tie them up and you draw crude things on their head. It'll be great. The whole world will be like a giant frat prank. So this week I thought I'd give a little uh, message to all the Republicans in D.C., all the big movers and shakers and the brainiacs. You guys better get it done on taxes. It's, it's getting... It's getting ugly out here. You, you need to get it done. Like you think, oh, he's joke. No, he's not joking. You guys make something happen. Here's what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear uh, somebody on TV going, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly there. I think we're 85% of the way there. And if I could just get to 86, maybe I could change my vote. If I could just tweak a couple. F you and F your tweaks. Take what you got. You get what you get and you don't get upset. You guys need to put up a win on this one. I don't want to hear, well, if it's just, if I could get to 62.5, maybe I no, could. No, take it. Closest to the hole wins. Make the change. Because it's, it's getting bad. And uh, people are ready to say, bye-bye. There's not, we're not going to, we're not going to cry. We're not going to, like, no one, uh, no one today is like, what are we going to do without Jeff Flake? We, we lost Jeff Flake. He couldn't get it done. If Jeff Flake was so cool, and if Jeff Flake was so awesome and had such a great message and such, he would get reelected. He would send that message to the people of Arizona who elected him, and he would be elected again. If he was so great, he'd stay, but he's leaving. Bye-bye. Same with you, Bob Corker. 
Open up the bullshit doors. Kirker's coming through. If he's so awesome and if he's so wonderful, he'd get reelected. Both of these guys know they didn't have a chance. So they're like, I can't work with this unprincipled. It's, it's insane. What Trump is trying to do is insane by lowering taxes and making government more efficient. Cause that's how it reads, dude. That, like, that's how it reads. Uh, Trump was elected, in, in my opinion, because uh, the brainiacs on both sides screwed the pooch, right? So America went like, this isn't working. Uh, every year we look around, factories are closing, more friends are out of work, unemployment's going up, they're fudging the numbers, this is not good. So we lost faith in those guys, we lost faith in those guys, we're like, let's roll the dice on the dude from New York. And so far, there's people like, he's, he's uncouth, and he has no, he's not a true conservative. He's not a true, that is how he got elected. Because he's not your normal douche. <laughs> That's what it is. And like, right now, uh, it's, 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 it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. It's nasty. Drain the swamp, all that, blah, blah, blah. The Democrats just got busted. Uh, Hillary Clinton, that campaign, they're responsible for the dossier. The big, ooh, the Trump secret dossier. This is the one that proves there's collusion. Where'd you guys get it? I don't know. It just showed up. It was like a baby on the doorstep, and it was cute, so we kept it. You paid for it. The Democratic, the, 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 the Hillary Clinton campaign, they paid millions and millions of dollars. Make up some stuff, get some stuff, maybe some stuff in the bedroom, something really weird, I don't know, pee stuff maybe? Uh, it might be a little harsh, well, I don't know. You surprise me, there's a bunch of money. And then you find out that the original thing, it was a, it was a never Trumper that started it, but I don't think he paid. <laughs> I don't think the guy, the guy from the GOP, the never Trumper, didn't pay. So the dude who was putting together the file was like, hey, uh, Clinton campaign, you want this? Yes, we do. Let's get our checkbook out there. There's nothing wrong with this. This is completely above board. No, it wasn't above board. You're not allowed to to get foreign agents helping you win elections. You may you'll sneak behind a technicality, but it's super dubious. It's super dubious. And you know it's dubious because you tried to hide it. Like right now on MSNBC, I'm sure there's some pundit going, oh, you know what, it's campaign research. That's all it is. It happens. It's campaign research. It happens. Uh, then why didn't you call it campaign research? Why didn't you call it opposition research? You didn't. You called it legal fees because you were hiding it. Neener, neener, you're busted. Now own it. I'm sick of that one. Stop using that one on Twitter. Now own it. It's lame, it's tired, it's up there with snowflake. Uh, whatever, I'm off the track. Politics is ugly. Get it done or go home. That's pretty much uh, where we are right now as America. And we can handle a president who tweets. Please, Please stop complaining about the tweets. Politics used to be even uglier than the, the Trump stuff now. You're like, that can't be. Yes, yes. I love history. Uh, and John Adams, when he was running against uh, Tom Jefferson, I call him Tom because we're close. It was like 1800 and it, there was some serious mudslinging. Thomas Jefferson called John Adams a hermaphrodite. Uh, John Adams said, if Jefferson is elected, all the women in, in America will turn into prostitutes. It was really weird. But here, here's the fun. The fun thing about this, Thomas Jefferson hired a guy to do it for him. Thomas Jefferson's like, find me some dirt on Adams. And the guy's like, okay. And he comes back and he's like, I really don't have anything. We could call him a hermaphrodite, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> they went with hermaphrodite. Thomas Jefferson won the election, uh, but the guy went to jail, I think, uh, for slander. You're, you weren't allowed to do that back then. Can you imagine if Donald Trump called somebody a hermaphrodite today? <laughs>
<laughs> it would be crazy. It'd be very entertaining. So anyway, the guy goes to jail uh, and then he gets out. He comes back to Thomas Jefferson for money. He's like, dude, I, I, I did uh, I did a stretch for the whole uh, the president's a hermaphrodite thing. You got to hook me up. And Thomas Jefferson's like, I can't really pay you right now because like I'm already president. And I'm in the middle of the uh you know, Louisiana purchase. I got a sweet real estate deal going on. This guy's like, listen, if you don't pay, I got some dirt on you. I'll unleash. And Thomas Jefferson's like, have at it, buddy. Good luck with that. And then the guy came out and he's like, hey, Thomas Jefferson's banging his slaves. You know, he's doing that, right? And what? Yeah. Sally Hemings. He's like, yeah, Thomas Jefferson. He's in love with Sally Hemings. She's a slave. It's all very. So that's how that scandal got started. So if you are digging up dirt on your opponent, I guess uh, pay up and, and, and pay big. Politics has always been ugly. We will survive. We will survive this as long as we get it done. So coming full circle, Republicans, get it done. Take care of taxes or go bye-bye. Jeff Flake uh, is going to have, uh, a, I think he's going to have a boat cruise soon. He's going to have some free time on his hand. We don't fight right. My wife and I are going to counseling to learn how to fight. Can you believe that? I'm not kidding. To learn how to fight, to learn how to argue. We used to argue great. When you're just dating somebody, you argue fine. You know? When you're just dating a girl and your girlfriend says something crazy and she's dare to dare to dare to dare dare. You don't give a shit. You tee off. Pow digga bang digga bigga bigga wah. It's like, I hate you, you're an asshole, and I'm leaving, and you're so me. You're like, come back, I love you. <laughs> and then once you put the ring on, man, oh, that's it. That's it. You don't, we don't fight right at all, you know? My wife, my wife, your wife will say some crazy stuff. Really, truly insane. And your brain will be like, ooh, say this, say this. You shut the hell up, your birthday's right around the corner. <laughs> But this will prove our point. She's out of her mind. You shut the hell up. The balls and I voted. It's three to one. <laughs> Be quiet. Talk to the ring. He'll explain everything. <laughs> so you take that thing you were going to say and you put it in a big room with all the other stuff that you've never said, right? And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm cleaning out that room. Yeah, you got to constantly clean out that room and make room for new stuff or that place will overflow and you won't be in charge and it'll just come out. You'll be in Target one day and she'll be like, what about these lamps? Don't you think these would be nice about the sofa table? I think you're a selfish bitch. What the hell? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Those are awesome lamps. You're, you're investigating Benghazi, 60 Minutes is doing stuff in Benghazi. And I remember this this big deal uh, where, where Mitt Romney, when he was running for president in the debate, uh, says to Obama, is like, you wouldn't even call it uh, the attack on Benghazi uh, terrorism for like 12 days. And Obama's like, I called it the very next day. And, and, and you guys at CBS, you knew for a fact that he specifically didn't call it terrorism. And CBS had video proof of that. Could you... 
tell us a, a little about how that went down. Yes, CBS was sitting on a clip that 60 Minutes had done an interview with the president the day after the Benghazi attacks in which Steve Croft said to the president, I just heard you speak and you avoided using the word terrorism. And the president said, yes, that's right. And he explained why he didn't use the word terrorism. So he agreed with Romney, but that clip never aired. And you could argue it wasn't relevant at the time because we didn't know about the whole idea that they were trying to make it not seem terrorism when they knew it was. Yeah. But once Romney issued this, made this an issue in the debate, we had the answer as people were discussing, well, who is right, Romney or the president? We had the answer to the question on video in the president's own words and didn't air it. And not only did we not air the clip, we um, aired a different section from that same interview in a context that I believe was misleading on purpose that made yeah. it sound as if he had called it terrorism. That was sort of our take as a news organization. 60 Minutes wasn't withholding the clip. They had given the transcript and the clip to Evening News the very day it happened. And it's my understanding they continued to send the transcript over when Evening News wasn't using it. When it was newsworthy, they were kind of like, hey, you've got this information. And uh, they didn't run it. Isn't that like trying to affect the outcome of an election? You know, we don't want to show this because it might make our guy look bad. And should a news organization have like an our guy? I never knew why stories were suddenly killed or at least stopped because they would they assigned me CBS to cover Benghazi three weeks in they said please yeah. dig into this and they loved it for a period of time but then forces come into play and pushback happens and suddenly as I say in the book the light switch goes off and they act like you're a troublemaker for when you when you continue going down the trail and you're covering even uncovering better information suddenly they don't you want troublemakers it. and your pesky facts right. i can't stand it when journalists just focus on the facts oh my god is is this um is this the end of investigative journalism if there were to be a republican president next i think some journalists would and some gatekeepers primarily, I would say, would more have their heart into the digging process and allowing investigative journalism to take place. That may be what helps to cause a resurgence in interest. If, if, if there's a Republican president, I guarantee the, the investigative journalism will come back. But also there's a paradigm change, and I don't claim to know what's coming of it, but yeah. investigative journalism, it's still being done. It's just harder fought. Even at the main networks, it's still being done to some degree. And you can find it in other places online. You just have to look for it. Tonight, uh, I want to talk about the presidential election. We are uh, very lucky we get to vote. We live in a country where our votes count, and that's fantastic. And I love, love, love that America picks the president on a Tuesday. That's really, that's so American. We don't do it on a Monday, because we're all too hungover from the weekend, so we blow it off till Tuesday. That's incredible, right? That's, that's a great Tuesday for us. Every other country, they just get like a regular Tuesday. You know, hey, what'd you do uh, Tuesday, rest of the world? Oh, you worked? Is that what you did? That's cute. Guess what we did? We picked the leader of planet Earth. Boom! <laughs> Sit down, Thailand, and shut up, Cuba. We get it done on Tuesday. You should see what we do on Sunday. It's nuts. But how does this happen? How do we pick the most powerful person in the free world? Do we study their resumes, go through their accomplishments, education, grades in school, their decision-making history? No! 
We line them up on TV according to a popularity contest straight out of high school, and we vote for the one who came up with the best one-liner and put down in a big reality show we call The Presidential Debates. Yes, it's wonderful. Who cares if they know how to keep us safe or make society better? It's not about who has the best ideas. It's about who can make the other one look like a fool or which one had the best joke. It's not about the debate. It's about which guy hired the best writers to come up with a zinger, right? And I'm guilty, too. I love the zinger. I'm a big fan of the zinger. You know what I love more than the zinger? When a zinger falls flat. Right? right? When Jeb Bush was up there looking at Marco Rubio and he's like, what is a Senate? Like, like the French work week? <laughs> like, a, like a French work week? It just, it just laid there. And then Rubio had a zinger for that. He was ready to go. Rubio had a zinger ready for Bush's zinger fail. That is amazing right there. Now, a long time ago, and I mean a long time ago, I'm talking about before TV, people <laughs> used to actually read what was said in the debates in the newspaper, and that's how they would decide who to vote for. That's how Abraham Lincoln won. I, I don't know if you knew this, but historians know. They say Lincoln had a high-pitched, nasally voice. He would never win a debate on TV nowadays. He'd be like, I think we need to fix this country. A union divided cannot stand. <laughs> and people would be like, I can't vote for Pee Wee Herman. And he'd be like, ah, oh, four score and seven years ago. La, 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 la. <laughs> Nowadays, it's all about how smooth and polished they are. It's like they're actors auditioning. But this is America. It's not a movie or a Broadway musical. This is a country. We're giving out the keys to the White House, not awarding a nighttime Emmy. Uh, for best performance in a nighttime debate, the Emmy goes to Bernie Sanders for No One Cares About Your Emails. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to win. I would have prepared. Uh, I want to thank Robert Harbin from Levity. I'd like to thank, uh, I, I want to thank my beautiful wife. Here's what I think we should do. Here's what I think we should do. Here's how we should decide the next president. Video games. Now, hear me out. I'm not crazy. I don't want to make Hillary Clinton play Mortal Kombat, although that would be fun, right? She's already wearing the kung fu pantsuit. She'd go at it, you know, like Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, finish him. Here's what we do. We make all the candidates play a big game of Sim City. Everybody gets the same amount of money, and whoever has the best city at the end of the tournament wins, right? You could be Hillary. How's your Sim City coming? She's like, I ran out of money on the second day. People are rounded up. I put them into fun camps. A couple of embassies went down, but the guards and I are happy. Ah! I'm going to be a great queen. I mean, president. <laughs> like, hey, Bernie Sanders, how's your city doing? Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, my city's full of people waiting in line for toilet paper. Everybody's broke, but uh, the college is free. Uh, and somehow all the rich people left my city and headed to another computer. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump, how's your city? Michael, my city's beautiful. There's a huge, there's a huge wall around it. It's not a city. It's a multi-billion-dollar casino. There's a big T on the side. And look at the pools on the rooftop, Michael. They're huge. <laughs> 
Marco Rubio, how's your city doing? Michael, I colonized the moon and seven other planets. Mars is now turning a profit. Jupiter's run by Coca-Cola. Did I mention I was the son of immigrants? All right, we have a winner. If you can't manage a simulation of a city, you shouldn't be getting to manage a real country. I don't want debates, I want video games. I was surfing the interwebs, and let's, you know what, let's give it up one time for the interwebs. Thank you, Al Gore. That was a great invention. Guess what I found out? Uh, This is an interesting fact. There are now more people on government assistance than there are in the workforce. Yeah, there are more people being supported by tax dollars than there are taxpayers. I know, it's startling. And you're like, where'd you find this out? Well, I'll tell you. The censusbureau.gov. Yeah, you know you're in for a good time when the website ends in .gov. Whenever it's like .org or .gov, that's going to be .boring. Uh, There's no pictures of cats or uh, Jennifer Aniston on some other person's body. Nothing fun like those other websites. This was the Census Bureau. This is the U.S. government right here. And according to them, 109 million people on uh, welfare and 105 million people actually working. And out of that 105 people working, 15 million of those jobs are actually government jobs. So in reality, you have 90 million people paying for everything. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how long we can go on like this. Now, I, you can almost hear them right now. There's politicians and there's people on stages and there's, there's idiots saying, uh, you know what? People need to start paying their fair share. That was like an Al Gore. Let's make that, let's make that Bernie Sanders. People need to pay their fair share. Here's the deal with fair share. Uh, this, is, this is a fact. For every dollar I make as a stand-up uh, comic, I have to give 60 cents to the government. I live off of 40 cents out of every dollar. If this gets any more fair, I'm gonna need government assistance. So now, I'm sitting in front of my computer and I'm freaking out a little bit, you know? I'm looking into government assistance, you know? What is this wonderful, carefree existence called welfare? Well, after doing some research, I found this out. Welfare is hard work. You have to fill out a million forms. You gotta pick up checks. You gotta hop this bus to get to that office. You gotta figure out what the heck WIC is. You gotta recharge your food stamp cards. You gotta go this. You can't collect on that because you gotta collect on this. And if you do that, you better have kids and you can't collect both. If this runs out on that date, you gotta do this on this date. You're not gonna qualify for that on that date. And it is just a giant hassle. And what is the grand prize when you jump through all these government hoops, when you get through this giant bureaucratic circus. Here's what you get, $650 a month. (laughs) It's crazy, right? The government solution is $650 a month. You know what else pays about 650 bucks a month? A part-time job, right? So imagine what a full-time job would be. It would be like a dream. There'd be cars and vacation and second homes and 401ks. It would be crazy, and it would be easier than the welfare system. That's what I'm here tonight to say. I don't think government's the answer. You could take every nickel from every billionaire in the country, every nickel, and it still isn't gonna add up to anything or fix the problem. Instead of 650 bucks a month, now you'll get $650 
$670 a month. You're still gonna be poor and bummed out. And I'm not talking about regular bummed out. I'm talking about a special kind of bummed out where you're forced to watch Tyler Perry soap operas all day. Yeah, you, you don't even get the funny, like I'm the old funny grandma movies. Yeah, you have to watch the dramas that he writes. It's bad. The government can't fix the problem. The only time the government is the answer is when the question is, how do we waste this giant pile of money? That they do really well. Here's the real solution. Uh, in my opinion, jobs, small businesses. Here's a, a fun to know fact. A long time ago, there was an orphan in Columbus, Ohio, who wanted to make hamburgers. He worked really hard. Boom, Wendy's. Yeah, that's right. And there was another guy back in Ohio. He wanted to sell women's dresses. And that was a little weird, but he worked really hard. And he turned that into the limited and Victoria's Secret, a giant industry. Boom, boom, biggity, boom. And there was another kid in Southern California. He wanted to make computers in his garage and you know where he is today I don't know either but his neighbor was Steve Jobs and that guy did pretty well so that's my point if the government really wants to help they can by getting out of the way and letting small businesses go and right now there's a government employee going we should get a bunch of people together and do fact and surveys and no no you don't have to do anything but shouldn't we raise a tax to help them no 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 don't do anything. Support small businesses. Get out of the way. It's that easy. Right? The book Adios America, that's going, that's going great. What was your first book and what made you want to write it? High Crimes and Misdemeanors. I was a practicing lawyer and the t my two careers came together. There was a felon in the White House. <laughs> Okay. So I wrote a book on the impeachment of Bill Clinton, and I'm glad you asked about my first book because I've now written 11 big books, all of them New York Times bestsellers, though you didn't ask. Um, I assume. <laughs> I assume. And the first one and this latest one were the only ones, I mean, I think the latest one, Adios America, is the most important book I've written. I think it's the best book I've written. Um, it's shorter than it looks. You really should read it. It's like 100 pages of footnotes. You can knock it off in a day, and it's really funny. And it's important, and Donald Trump read it, so you can understand everything that's happening over oh, the next year. Oh, there you go. If you read it. Trump you, loves you. That's where you got that spicy stuff on Mexican rapist. Um, but the first book and the last book were the only ones. Usually I've been correcting lies in the historical record, right. or the scientific record. Darwinism, Joe McCarthy. McCarthy, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, these two are, or the first one and the last one, and maybe my last one ever, um, are calls for action right now. It was setting forth high crimes and misdemeanors, the grounds for impeachment, where we got high crimes and misdemeanors from the Constitution, and calling for President Clinton to be impeached, yeah. which he was, though many people forget that. This one is a call to save our nation because it is going to be adios America. Immigration is not a single issue. It's not just, oh, well, we have gay marriage and abortion and what yeah. we should do with Syria. No, everything is decided by immigration because that's who votes here. It changed the culture, the nature. The only way the refugee crises and this and illegal immigrants, the only way it ever stops is if it if all countries are identical. Mm -hmm. So that there's no reason to move from one country to another. We're just all Uganda. And that's what's <laughs> happening to our country now. If we're going to go out and save the rest of the world from earthquakes, from tsunamis, from warlords, from Nazis, from, if we're going to be the force of good that we've always yeah. been in the world, 
we have to save ourselves first. And now is the time we are at the tipping point. Well, that's the thing. Isn't that like a scuba diving thing? Or when you're in a lifeboat, you're like, make sure you're okay. No, it's in the airplane, they tell that's you. Make right. sure your I've mask is on that. first. Yeah. I've been comparing As a nation, that. let's put on our own masks, America. Yeah, then you take care of your child. That's great. So you don't tell me you're going to stop writing. You, 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 drop, you tried to slip that in, like, oh, which might be my last book. No, you've got another book coming. You've already got a title. That's what I, I feel it. Unless Trump is elected and saves us, I mean, once it's Americans voting, this is the problem. People are so upset about, you know, what's happened under in the last seven years. And I'm very upset about it. I won't even detail the reasons we just keep losing and losing and losing or the things we've been losing. But the reason for it is Teddy Kennedy's 1965 Immigration Act. And I mean, the people you meet, it's not like liberals are changing any minds. They changed the voters. Mm -hmm. So even Democrats I've met and liberals, they're saying, "Okay, that's it. I've had it with this guy. Hellfire will rain down on the Democrats. There always has been a pushback after LBJ, after the Watergate Congress, after two years of Bill Clinton. There's always this right wing pushback and things get leveled out. Well, even if people feel that way, they're about to be outvoted by foreigners. Yeah. And so I trust Americans. Just let Americans vote and assimilated immigrants, which we are not doing right now. Yeah. And then I trust Americans to do the right thing on everything else. But if we don't stop our current immigration policy, there will be no point to what I do. You you tell jokes, so you can still tell the jokes, but the political (laughs) stuff, irrelevant. No point to Fox News, no point to writing political books. If I ever write another book, unless Trump gets elected, it will be a cookbook. Changed. You've changed. Some of them are good. Some of the changes are awesome, you know? Like, uh, I don't smoke uh, pot anymore. <laughs> That's a change. Yeah, I quit. I quit smoking pot uh, on our honeymoon because it ruined it. And I thought that was going to be the end of the marriage right there. Yeah, my wife and we went, we went to Jamaica for our honeymoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. How do you not smoke pot in Jamaica? And uh, she's like, my wife, she doesn't drink, she doesn't smoke, nothing. She's just an angel sent from heaven to make my life a living hell. (laughs) And previously, I enjoyed the marijuana. I used to, right? Right? But the effects change over time. If you can still smoke pot and have a good time, I salute you, Captain. (laughs) I just can't do it. Right? When I used to smoke, you'd have this giggle fit, this laughing fest. You're just making noises that no one but a dolphin could understand. You know? <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> and at SeaWorld, all the dolphins are like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> We're busting out tonight. Tell Shamu, it's on, it's on. <laughs> and then... After the giggle fet, you get hungry, right? You get hungry, like, man, food sounds awesome. I love food. And then you get paranoid. You're like, I'm not leaving the house for food because the police are out there and I don't want to go to jail. I'll just eat macaroni and cheese. I love macaroni and cheese. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Why is it so crunchy? You didn't cook it. You're an idiot. <laughs> it's a circle. Around and around and around. And after a while, the older I got, I'd start smoking pot and that giggle fit and the hunger would just go away. It was boom, just paranoia. And then we went to Jamaica on our honeymoon. My wife's like, don't smoke pot, okay? And I'm like lying, okay, I won't. <laughs> so one morning, 
uh, we get up early and we go to the nude beach, right? Now, yeah, if you've never been to a nude beach, go. It's awesome. And you're like, I have body issues and I don't think, no, go. Because, yeah, you'll see the people who are already out there, you know? <laughs> I love the nude beach. You're like, oh, screw this. I'm a piece of ass. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Pitt has arrived, Angelina. So we're on the nude beach, and it's great. It's fantastic, and we're just lying there, and my wife's looking super fine. And, uh, and this kid, this little Jamaican kid in a canoe, he's got to be like eight, comes out in the ocean, and he was waving to us, hey, mon, hey, mon. And I'm like, hey, mon. And my wife's like, don't buy drugs from him. <laughs> I want to talk to him. And not every Jamaican kid's a drug dealer, honey. You're a racist. Like, just don't buy drugs from him. I'm like, all right. So I swim out to the kid and uh, just to talk. And, uh, and he's like, hey, man, do your party. And I'm like, I do today. And let's keep our voices down, shall we? He's like, I got cocaine. I got ecstasy. I got magic mushrooms. I got LSD. I'm like, holy crap. How big is your canoe? That's, that is an entrepreneur right there. That kid gets up at the crack of dawn. Mama, I'm going to load a canoe with every drug I can find on the island. I'll sell it in the open ocean. I'll be home by dinner time. Da -da -ka -da -da. So I tell the kid, I just, I just want some pot. And he's like, how much? And I'm like, $5 worth? Like I'm at a gas station in America. I'll take five on four. <laughs> so the kid's smart, right? And he's like, he's like, I need to see the money first. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I swim back to the towel. I get $5 from my wife. She's like, what are you buying? What are you getting? I'm like, I'm just going to give the kid five bucks. He's down on his luck. So I swim back to him. Naked, swim back to him and hand him $5. Now, I'll tell you something, people. The American dollar is strong in Jamaica. I, yeah, I handed him $5 expecting like a little sandwich bag of $5 worth of weed in it. Something I could hide on my naked body, you know? And, I gave this kid $5 and he handed me a bale of marijuana. I, I had never seen this much pot before in my life. And now I gotta swim with one less hand and keep this shit dry, right? And it's gorgeous, it's beautiful. And I'm like, oh. So now you can't hide this. You swim back to your towel, everybody's looking at you. You're like, yeah, look at that. That's $5 right there. That is the, look at that, that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. Go he's right there. He's got everything. He's got LSD, cocaine. My wife's just staring at me. <laughs> oh, she's happy. She's like, are you going to smoke all that? I'm like, not in my life could I smoke all this. <laughs> Holy crap. So some other kid comes over. He rescues me, right? He's like, hey, Mon, do you need help? I'm like, yeah. Could you, like, roll me a joint or something? And he's like, yeah, I'll hook you up. So he takes the, the weed and leaves. And then he comes back. And once again, I'm expecting like a little American, you know, like in college, little pin joint, whatever. He rolled me a Jamaican death joint. Uh, I swear to God, it looked like a traffic cone. I'm not kidding. 
it was, it was big and fat at the bottom and small at the top. Said I killed Bob Marley up the side of it. I took it back to the room, took one hit, bam, straight to paranoia. No fun at all. My brain's like, you are way too high. My heart's like, thumpity, 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 thumpity. Oh, I got to air out the room. Someone's going to be there. They can all smell it. Holy shit, lock the door, lock the door. Then there's a knock. Oh, it's the police. Hide me, hide me. I'm a lamp, I'm a lamp, I'm a lamp. It was my wife. She was still, is this how it's going to be? Is this how it's going to be? Things are going to have to change. And I've been changing ever since. Don't be surprised. You've changed. You've changed me, honey. Stop it. There's a ton that we don't know about. About, 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 about. Here's a tongue twister about Obama. About Obama. About Obama. I'd rather have one parent who cares about a kid than a whole village of idiots who think that organic vegan pizza is awesome. No. Sausage, pepperoni, strong kids. You guys doing okay? Yeah. It's just great. I'm like a jockey, and you are a fine, fine thoroughbred. Am I going to go to the whip? No, because you give me more when I don't. Sometimes I might. If you need the whip, I'll give you the whip. In Michaeltopia, we say Merry Christmas, and we don't care who's offended if a Jewish person says to me, Happy Hanukkah, I'm like, awesome, Happy Hanukkah. If a Muslim says, Happy Ramadan, I'm gonna be like, Happy Ramadan, dude, go for it. It's all good. And you know what else? Atheists don't get the day off. <laughs> I don't want to offend you. <laughs> Well, how do you know I'm saying? Well, I'm saying oh, wait. 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 Oh, I got, I got my, my, yeah. Oh. Yay! That's, that's the energy. That's the energy. You can take your solar panels. You can take your flywheels. Shh. It's the Nazis. Quick, turn on the Enigma device. There it goes. There's my ride. There's my ride. Flipside season two, the fire trucks have arrived. Hey, you can live uh, in the real world. It's kind of crazy. Things don't make sense. Or you could live with me in my brain where everything's wonderful all the time. It's a place I like to call Michaeltopia. Join me, won't you? Michaeltopia, there are no VA hospitals. There are regular hospitals, and veterans get to go to the front of the line. Okay? Thank you. 
you got some lady sitting in the ER and she's like, I stubbed my toe and it's, I think it's worse than a bruise. Sit down, Gladys. G.I. <laughs> Joe needs a CAT scan and he gets to go in front of you. Yeah. We're spending huge money in America on programs that help people who got into our country illegally. Now, I think people who fought for our freedom and our country and risked their lives should get their help first. Okay? My other solution is we have all the homeless vets and veterans who need help, we take them to Mexico and they sneak in across the border and they say they're from El Salvador. Maybe then they'll get the help they deserve. Boom, free healthcare and welfare for them. In Michaeltopia, Fat people don't have to pretend they aren't hungry at a restaurant. (laughs) Have you ever seen that? Like some huge guy just nibbling on a salad and he's looking around like, I don't know how this happened. All I do is nibble on salad all day. No, you don't. Eat, man. Eat. Be happy. You're not fooling anyone with your little pretend nibbling. In your heart of hearts, you're eating three hot fudge sundaes. You're wrapping up the tablecloth, eating a giant rack of ribs. So go for it, dude. Life is short, especially yours. Enjoy yourself. Ah. In Michaeltopia, we will stop looking for space aliens. Because guess what? I don't think we want to find any, all right? Traditionally, the locals don't do so good when the technologically advanced invaders show up, okay? If the galaxy was a great big giant house, humans are like a little tiny colony of ants that are hiding in the corner of the basement. And I don't think we should be screaming to tell the owners that we're down there making a little civilization. Because they're going to bring a can of raid down and go, I thought we sprayed for these things, bleep lorp. No, that was the dinosaurs we killed. We We have to wipe these all out. So in Michaeltopia, we hide from the aliens and we live. Yes. In Michaeltopia, people don't pull out little magic markers to see if my money's counterfeit. Okay? I don't know if this has happened to you. I go to a yogurt store, I hand the girl a 20 and she's like, okay. Then she does the marker and she looks at it. <laughs> I guess you're I guess you're not a criminal. I Yeah, she just called me a liar in front of my children. So in Michaeltopia, you know what we do? After that little girl hands me back the change, I go, "Hey, can I borrow the marker? Cuz I don't trust you, honey." Hmm? Let's see if your fives any good. I guess it's all right. In Michaeltopia, we will organize and invade California. Seriously, like-minded individuals, let's just take it over. We'll flood this entire state with conservative Republicans. Yeah. People always say, well, if you're a Republican, maybe you should move to Texas. And I'm like, no, I want California. (laughs) California's got it all. We've got mountains, there's beaches, there's wildlife, 
Disney theme parks, palm trees. California's where it's at, man. Let's take it over. Come on out. Move. Start to vote. We'll build a giant wall. Not with Mexico, but with the rest of America. It's Michaeltopia in California, baby. Thanks for watching the show. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Hey, subscribe to the YouTube.